Hi, this is Larry Castle here with Ken Brown for That's a Good Question, episode 55. What does the Bible teach about cremation? This week, we are going to discuss a question, perhaps two even, uh, that we've received from viewers. And so the first question that we want to deal with uh, this episode, Pastor Ken, is about cremation, hmm. whether it's biblical and therefore something that a Christian should consider. And the mere fact that someone would ask the question suggests that it's probably not mentioned much, if at all, uh, in the Bible. So uh, we know burial is mentioned frequently. And part of the gospel message is that Jesus was buried and mm-hmm. rose from the dead, of course. But what about cremation? Any mentions of that in the Bible? Hmm. Well, as you said, there's not much, and that's because it was not really the practice of caring for the dead in either the Old or the New Testaments. Now, I'm going to provide some information on this topic from a seminar that I attended several years ago at my seminary alma mater, uh, Dr. Rod Decker gave a several-hour presentation, and he gave us a 46-page paper (laughs) on uh, creation. And I'll be quoting— On cremation. On cremation. I would not have thought to write that paper when Uh, I was in (laughs) seminary. (laughs) I wish I had. (laughs) So I'm going to be quoting extensively from that paper, but I'll try to distill it into a fraction of that time. All right. So we can make that paper available then yeah, yeah. to uh, folks? I will uh, I will make a link to that in the uh, description of this video, and then okay. if you're watching this on our website, it'll be off to the side there. Okay, good. Thanks. Thanks for doing that. So if one is interested in the subject beyond what I present here, then I'd recommend Dr. Decker's uh, paper. And it turns out the Bible does mention cre- uh, cremation a few times. Uh, the first biblical instance of cremation is in... 1 Samuel 31, and it records the cremation of Saul and his sons. Mm -hmm. And it's in uh, 1 Samuel 31, as I say, and beginning in verse 8, and here's what it says. It says, "...the the Philistines found Saul and his three sons fallen on Mount Gilboa. They cut off his head, and they fastened Mm -hmm. his body to the wall of Bethshan." When the people of Jabesh Gilead heard of what the Philistines had done to Saul, all their valiant men journeyed through the night to Bethshan. They took down the bodies of Saul and his sons from the wall of Bethshan and went to Jabesh, where they burned them. They took their bones and buried them under a tamarisk tree at Jabesh. So this is Saul's own people. Mm-hmm and his son's own people uh, doing this. Uh, So it was obviously a failed battle with the Philistines. Saul's corpse is decapitated by his enemies, hung on the city wall at Bethshan. Along with his son, some of the men of Israel undertake a covert nighttime commando raid to retrieve the bodies. And then after returning to Jabesh, and Jabesh is about 10 miles away, So they go about 10 miles with four corpses. Mm -hmm. They then cremated the bodies there and buried the bones. And these bodies were likely now already badly decomposed, and they had been previously mutilated in all likelihood by their enemies. Mm -hmm. So it was considered more honorable to cremate this royal family 
then attempt to haul their bodies elsewhere for the usual Jewish burial ceremonies. Mm -hmm. In fact, they were later commended by King David for the kindness that they showed Saul for, for doing this. That suggested that the king's honor was involved in, in that action. That's in 2 Samuel chapter 2. And then there's okay. a, another reference in the Bible to cremation, and, but it's in connection with God's judgment on Moab. It's in Amos, Amos chapter 2. And in Amos chapter 2, it says, in Amos chapter 2, right at the beginning, verse 1, this is what the Lord says, For three sins of Moab, even for four, I will not turn back my wrath, because he burned to ashes the bones of Edom's king. I will send fire upon Moab that will consume the fortresses of Kerioth. Moab will go down in great tumult amid war cries and the blast of the trumpet. I will destroy her ruler and kill all her officials with him, says, says the Lord. So notice that the reason for this judgment on Moab, it says, is because they burned the, uh, the king of Edom. The Moabites burned the bones of the Edomite king, probably as part of doing a desecration, like a raid on the mm -hmm. tomb and then mm -hmm. desecrating it uh, of some recently buried... Edomite ruler, but it's significant that God's judgment isn't about a military action that they took. It's not about tomb raiding or political maneuvering or other forms of oppression, mm -hmm. but rather the, the passage says quite clearly it was because they used fire on the body, and that's uh, therefore why God's judgment was going to be likewise. Because of the cremation of the king, then there was going to be a like action taken against them. So Moab's action was considered not only sin, but of such a magnitude as to prompt God's drastic judgment. Hmm. So it appears here that God's condemning an act of cremation. That's in interesting, the, the juxtaposition of yes. those two. The first one is um, a body desecrated and cremation is looked on as a kindness. Mm -hmm. And then here it is, uh, the desecration is the cremation. Well, yeah, thank you. Very good point. So as we'll see later when we get to the summation, if folks are able to stick around <laughs> that long. It hopefully won't be terribly long. If anybody checks out on this one, it was when we said cremation at the beginning. And <laughs> but those of who are still with us are yes. probably interested in this. <laughs> there you go. And when we get to the end, we'll see that, you know, it depends on how one is looking at the, the action and you see why that you're there, doing it why it's being done. It. Exactly yeah. right. And then the only other, the third and final reference to an actual cremation comes in uh, Amos chapter Amos chapter 6. Six, beginning in verse 8, and it says, The sovereign Lord has sworn by himself, the Lord God Almighty declares, I abhor the pride of Jacob and detest his fortresses. I will deliver up the city and everything in it. If ten people are left in one house, they too will die. And then if uh, they speak to a relative who comes and carries out of the house bodies to burn them. So here's what's going on there, that... As a result of Israel's sin, God prophesies a judgment by military invasion and, and conquest. The devastation is going to be catastrophic, and it's going to be portrayed uh, in this passage, and it's going to be that there are going to be lots of corpses left mm -hmm. behind, ten of them in a single house, this passage says. In the aftermath of the attack, this ruined city is left behind by the attacking forces. The few survivors that are hiding in the city are not going to try to clean up the casualties. And a relative is said to carry the bodies out of the house to burn them. That's what the passage says. So it's an example of 
in the carnage of war, normal burial is not always possible, mm-hmm. especially when the number of casualties is, is very high. And so that's what you have in Amos chapter 6. So those are the only references in the Bible to cremation. So what can we draw, uh, you know, what kind of conclusions mm. can we draw from these references then? You know, one of them would seem to clearly be that um, cre- cremation was not the norm for these folks we're reading about. Yeah, so it definitely wasn't the normal practice in the Old Testament. Of those three instances, only one is uh, uh, commended in a- Amos chapter 2, and it, excuse me, condemned in Amos 2. It's condemned because the body was burnt. Right. The other two, they were exceptions due to the exigencies of, of war. Mm-hmm. But we can't conclude too much from these because they're not... Uh, they're in the Old Testament, and also, and, and we're not under the Old Testament mm-hmm. uh, regime, the Old Testament law, and also because they're in narrative sections of the Old Testament. And we've discussed this before, and some of our listeners and viewers may remember, but we've talked about how to interpret the Bible, and that one principle for interpreting the Bible is that narrative sections that are telling the story, narrating what happened to others, are description rather than prescription. They're Mm -hmm. describing what happened to others, not necessarily prescribing what you, we, the now, you know, 21st century readers are to do or prohibited from doing. Yeah. So in addition then, though, to those direct references, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I wonder, are there any principles that may apply? You know, maybe the fact that fire is associated with God's judgment, I've Mm -hmm think that may be something that folks may think of and therefore mm-hmm. not an appropriate tool for caring for you know a dead mm-hmm. body mm-hmm. Um, but admittedly fire by judgment references don't make mention of cremation right. uh, so the best we could do would be to draw an inference yeah. from yeah. those yeah I, I think that's definitely right that uh, there are in fact instances of God in effect cremating someone but they're in the context of, of judgment mm-hmm. and it's not an act of cremation per se mm-hmm. so they couldn't be used to advocate for cremation yeah I mean God strikes people dead in other ways and we don't you know say, say that. those should be norm you're right exactly yeah, yeah exactly so you have the famous incident of Nadab and Abihu mm-hmm. and they off offered what the Bible calls unauthorized uh, worship, unauthorized fire uh, before the Lord. Uh, significantly, mm-hmm. it was a fire that they offered, and in response, God consumes them by, by fire. Leviticus 10 says, fire came out from the presence of the Lord and consumed them. Mm-hmm. So that's an, an occasion of God, uh, in effect, cremating someone, but in, yeah. in judgment. You also have the the rebellion of Korah. It's in Numbers chapter 16. God judged uh, by killing them by by fire. And then you have another instance in Joshua chapter 7. You remember that Achan sinned when uh, they were to the Jews were to go in and to take uh, uh, Ai actually, and then uh, he takes um, he takes. Uh, something with him, mm-hmm. and uh, <clears throat> and he was not supposed to, and so as a result of that, in Joshua chapter seven, uh, they were judged by fire. And um, in the words of the King James, we often have a fire and brimstone mm-hmm. coming down. So mm-hmm. lots of times you have fire as a form of judgment. So that's frequently an association made in the Bible: judgment and fire, which then raises the question. Would that be an appropriate means of caring for the dead if it's regularly associated with judgment? Uh, Probably the most significant thing about that association of fire with judgment 
is it would help to at least partly explain why God's people in the Old Testament didn't use it mm-hmm. as a burial practice, because it was so often associated that way. Now, again, that doesn't necessarily inform us completely in our day, but it is part of the biblical data on the issue. Mm-hmm. But in addition to those, there are two references in the law to cremation, where someone is to be cremated for especially harmful sin, Hmm. sin that's harmful to the community and particularly uh, egregious before God. In Leviticus chapter 20, Leviticus 20 and verse 14, there's a list of capital offenses, and one is singled out for a particular method of death. So you've got all these things that are going to require execution, but this one is singled out for for a particular method. Mm-hmm. It says a man who marries both a woman and her mother is to be disposed of by cremation mm. as an example of an especially severe judgment on what was considered uh, a s- especially harmful act. And you got the same thing in the next chapter, Leviticus chapter 21, verse 9. If a daughter of a priest becomes a prostitute, then she is to be, quote, burned in the fire. Now, we sometimes, so that's the way it's to happen. It's capital offense. Here's how it's to happen, the fire. We sometimes make the mistake of reading that, like burned it, burned in the fire, to mean someone is thrown into fire alive. Mm. It probably means they were first executed, and then the cremation follows the capital punishment. Mm. But those were two instances in the law where cremation was required. Yeah, so... Um, so even though that's true, though, these passages are still saying, right. as you said earlier, um, this is what happened, their narrative, uh, so they're descriptive, mm-hmm. like in Leviticus, part of the law, um, yeah. and we're not under the law right. currently. So there's really no passage that says straight up that creation isn't something we can do or should do. Cremation, uh, not creation. Did it? I thought I said it. <laughs> We're going to have that throughout this episode, creation, cremation. Uh, So that cremation, yeah, the Bible is not forbidding cremation in in this. Um, So what other things do we need to consider then that the Bible does address um, in order to then reason about creation? Mm. Or cremation, there we go. And you said it well, to reason about it, to Mm -hmm. come to a reasonable conclusion based upon the full body of data that the Bible gives us, right? Because yeah. we said in previous episodes, the Bible addresses all issues, either directly by precept or indirectly by, by principle. Mm-hmm. The vast majority, though, of the issues that we face are in that latter category. They're indirect, uh, and so the Bible will address them in principles that we can glean from other things that are said so that now we can make application of them to be consistent with what has been said, what's consistent with the character of God. So we have to pull together biblical data and then make an informed decision before the Lord. Another consideration would be the fact that in both the Old and New Testaments, burial was, I mean, the Bible does give a preferred way to care for the dead, and that most definitely in both Testaments was burial. Uh, That was the chosen form. Cremation was not done except in a few and exceptional circumstances like we've talked about. So even though the passages that say, uh, that that do talk about cremation are not prescriptive, we should still ask ourselves why that is, Mm -hmm. you know, with regard to that, or why the Bible 
uh, uses burial as, as much mm-hmm. as it does. Mm-hmm. Even though they're not necessarily prescriptive for us, we should ask, why is it that one is rarely used, the other is used a lot, in order to inform our conclusions? Mm-hmm. You know, one of the key teachings of Christianity uh, versus other worldviews is our view of the physical body. Mm -hmm. Uh, In the Bible, the body is important because it is not just an appendage to our spirit, Mm -hmm. and sometimes viewed as an undesirable one (laughs) that. I mean, with all of the problems we have with the body, with all of the aches and pains and all of the illness and, you know, disease and all of that, you know, we just say, I can't wait to get out of the body. And I I certainly can identify with that. Romans chapter 8, that the creation is groaning for liberation from its Mm. bondage to Mm -hmm. decay. You know, the whole creation, and and including our our physical bodies, you know, are decaying and -hmm. and all of that. It's where where the corruption of sin is most easily viewed to us, partly because we're we're, uh, less uh, tuned into, we're more easily blinded to the corruption mm. sin has had on our immaterial part. Yeah, yeah. And so it's very obvious. You right. know, when you go to a hospital, the results of sin are very uh, obvious. And when you're ill yourself and you're aging and all of that, you, you see that, right, firsthand. So we can sometimes then take on a, a mentality that says the problem is the body, mm-hmm. you know. But the Bible doesn't present the body as the problem or even a problem. Sin is the problem, Mm -hmm. and it's created a problem for us spiritually and physically. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the Bible teaches that the body and the spirit are integral, and the body is then integral to who we are, who we are personally, going all the way back to creation. You go back to Genesis chapter 2, you remember God creates Adam, and it says that he created his, his physical body, and then God breathed into Adam the breath of life, and he became a living soul. So it wasn't he created a soul and attached a body to it. Mm-hmm. He created a body and breathed his spirit, spiritual life into, into him. So Christians treat the body with care because contrary to—now here's a fancy term—platonic dualism, mm-hmm. <laughs> that— uh, Greek philosophy coming from Plato that said the body is evil. And as Plato said, a famous or infamous quote of his, that the body is the prison house of the soul. Mm-hmm. Contrary to that, we believe the body is good and our real person will be complete at the resurrection when our body is reunited to our spirit. Yeah, I'm recalling theology classes that uh, this belief was one reason that some rejected the incarnation, yeah. because since the body is evil, then God couldn't be in- incarnated, in- encased in flesh, Yes, um, couldn't inhabit a body. That's exa- that was exactly what many thought in the, in the first century because of the influence of Greek philosophy. That's partly what's behind then the Apostle John saying in 1 John chapter 4 that that he God, and God condemn anyone who says Christ has not come in the flesh, mm-hmm. he says. Many were saying that he had not come in the flesh because in their minds he couldn't. God could not have come in the flesh because of that dualism. The spirit is good, but the body, the flesh, is, is bad. Mm-hmm. Now, just a, a couple of illustrations of that that I've heard over the years where people get this wrong and they denigrate the body contrary to what Christian theology teaches. I had a pastor many years ago when I was in my early 20s, and I remember him preaching a sermon, 
and he was talking about the flesh. You know, the Bible talks about the flesh, and you know, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, kind of thing in Galatians chapter five. Yeah. But some translations translate that Greek word sarx instead of flesh sin nature. I was going to say, isn't that talking about the old nature? It is. It's not talking about the physical body, but he was not. In fact, he was using the King James. He was a King James only guy, as a matter of fact. Um, And I remember him talking about our battle with the flesh, and he's referring to it as the physical body. Mm -hmm. And he actually grabs his arm and pinches his arm, and he says, this stinking flesh. So you can see how the body is denigrated in that mm-hmm. in that kind of an approach, uh, or sometimes you'll hear preachers say, you know, I, I want to be sold out to God, and so I'd rather burn out than rust out. Mm-hmm. So that just means go full tilt sometimes without giving any care for rest or you know a vacation every now and then to make sure you are doing a marathon rather than just a sprint mm-hmm. out of it. Mm-hmm. So the body doesn't really doesn't really matter. Or here's perhaps the worst one though that I've heard. I heard I saw a video a couple of years ago from a college professor at a Christian college, and he was doing a counseling class, counseling course, and he was talking about how to counsel people who've gone through trauma, including uh, abuse, mm. um, physical abuse, of sexual abuse, or you know just violence on the on the body, and. He's talking about how people, I mean, really, he was saying that uh, some victims, uh, they make too much of it. And they need to understand that what's been harmed is their, their body. And their body is the, quote, throwaway part. That's a quote. Hmm. That's the throwaway part. You can see how somebody is victimized all over again. It seems to totally misunderstand what's happening in the abuse there, first of all. Yes, it does. And then second of all, misunderstand the design of God for the human person, body and spirit. Really tragic, you know, really tragic. So we need to understand that Orthodox Christianity for 2,000 years has ennobled the physical body Mm -hmm. because we have a unitary view of the person body and spirit. Based on that, then, is our belief in a bodily resurrection. Platonists deny that, as do materialists. A materialist is, you know, when we talk about somebody who's materialistic, we think of somebody who's uh, enamored with stuff, you know, greedy. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, there's a relationship there because matter, you know, the physical world of what I have now is all that person cares about. Mm -hmm. But a materialist technically is just uh, someone who believes that matter, the physical world, is all there there is. Matters all that matters. Matters all that matters. (laughs) That's good. Yeah. So that's another category of people who we would vehemently disagree with, with both of those, with the Platonists who say the body is evil, with the materialists who say the body is all there is, Mm -hmm. then the body can be mistreated because it doesn't... It doesn't matter, you know? I mean, what's going to happen with the body in the future in a materialist view? Mm-hmm. Likewise, in some religions, Hinduism and in, in Buddhism. So cremation has to overcome negative associations with judgment and then also false understandings about the importance of the body. Those associations are the reason you don't find cremation used in the Bible in an approving way. Mm-hmm. But no matter um, how the body is treated, 
you know, s- someone's buried, uh, it's going to be raised one day, whether they're buried, sure. cremated, lost right. in a fire. I mean, maybe mm. someone's house burns down, right. they, they die in the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, wars, uh, the high rise that collapsed uh, just mm. this past week, yeah. and some bodies may never be recovered. So all those bodies of any, any you know, one in there will be resurrected. Uh, and... Um, you know, someone even who's just buried with normal burial, yeah. over time their body will decompose mm-hmm. and back to, you know, from dust we came to dust mm-hmm. we will return. Right. So uh, it seems that it comes down to the two major considerations that you seem to be raising mm-hmm. uh, or alluded to. So the treatment of the body, one, and negative association. So mm-hmm. how, how do you think we should process those uh, in our day? Related to well, I think all you've said about that is uh, is true. Certainly, God can and will pull us together mm-hmm. <laughs> at the resurrection, no matter our final disposition in, in this life. Um, if you're like me and you're an organ donor, you're on the donor registry. My license, yeah. and I My yeah, name. and I encourage that for humanitarian reasons that I think please the Lord, uh, the Lord of the resurrection, as a way to love love our neighbors. Uh, well, then, that too is a reason that we're going to require, in effect, reassembly. <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I have joked about that before. So at the rapture, is some poor guy who has my kidney <laughs> going to lose a kidney? <laughs> <laughs> See, the Lord's going to be able to pull it all together. Yeah. He's going to be able to figure all that out, right? It's up to him to sort the molecules the way <laughs> yeah, he sees fit. <laughs> exactly. I think the strongest arguments against cremation are the two you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll take the second one first, that issue of negative associations. As with many things, though, we need to assess whether prior associations still obtain Mm -hmm. with the same force as in the past. So as an example, a few examples, Uh, some of you may have heard or maybe you've said this, but Christmas should not be celebrated because of some pagan rituals that long ago were associated with it. Mm -hmm. You know, the Christmas tree, for example. Well, that's long ago lost that, lost that significance. Uh... Easter, you know, where we celebrate the resurrection, but, you know, there's, uh, there's uh, a progeny of that that goes back, it appears, uh, there's some debate about, you know, where the name Easter comes from. We know we're celebrating the resurrection of Christ, but why, why is it called Easter? Ishtar is a goddess, and Ishtar mm. eggs, and so we have Easter eggs, mm. and a goddess of fertility, and all of that. But again, nobody's thinking about Ishtar, on, on Easter. This is, this is where uh, ignorance of history works in, in the favor. It does. <laughs> it does. Or even, you know, this one might be, this is more recent, but, you know, rock music, you know, mm. which came about in the 50s and in the 60s, and that was before our time. I'm very glad to be able to mention a time before I, I was born. <laughs> the older I get, there are fewer things that fit in that category. But So I was born in 62. You can do the math. And, and so rock music, you know, started then, and so... I was not privy to all of the uh, impulses that gave rise to rock and roll, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and the rebellion that went with it and all of that. But people who are a bit older than me and who remember that, they uh, have a reaction, understandably, then to the music because Mm -hmm. they still associate it. Mm-hmm. With that, now there's still lots of things, bad things that are associated with with rock and roll. I understand that, but the point is simply that over time things lose their cultural connotations, mm-hmm. and that may well be the situation with cremation at at this point. 
So that's the first issue, those negative associations. The biggest issue for me is the treatment of the body. Mm -hmm. Uh, In order to signify its theological importance in the Christian worldview, the the body is part of the gospel. It's not expendable. It's not inherently Mm -hmm. evil. It's not the throwaway part, for heaven's sake. And related then... Our spirit is not the real us. Mm-hmm. We, we, we sometimes will say that. That's the real you. No, the, the real you is your body and your spirit. Mm-hmm. So, And we, we get the idea, if I could just get out of this, this body then. Yes, we need glorified bodies to be sure, but the gospel guarantees that we are indeed going mm-hmm. to, to have those. So don't do cremation if... Now, this gets back to why you're doing it yeah. that we talked about at the beginning. Don't yeah. do it if... It's because you have a low view of the body, and therefore, who cares what they do with it? Mm-hmm. In our choices, we want to demonstrate consistency with a, a biblical worldview, and a view like that ain't it. Right. But a cremation can be done on someone who does not take that dim view of the body. So that hurdle can be overcome. But then there's the, the care of the body, showing its value on the part of the one handling then the body, the crematorium mm-hmm. and, the, and the mortician in the case of a, a funeral. Now, I don't want to spend much time on this and you know the handling of dead bodies because it's why it's nature morbid. We uh, have to, to put a to parental warning in this episode. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's not, not a pleasant thought, but a necessary one. <laughs> As I said that, it just popped into my mind that there's probably not a whole lot of kids watching this, this anyway. This is true. Yeah, this one. Oh, yeah, let me kids watch. Kids love this, this kind is, of a... <laughs> <laughs> on YouTube, that's all the kids are doing, browsing Listen, we're our we're fortunate episodes. if any adults are watching, okay, <laughs> let alone kids. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but crematoriums have sought to advance beyond the old ways of creation. Cremation. So, uh, did, did I say creation? <laughs> yes. Oh, boy, of cremation. Thank you. You got me back. <laughs> we, we can start a little jar here. <laughs> no, it's not the swear jar. It's the mis- <laughs> whatever, the misterming jar. <laughs> Yeah, so they've, they've sought to advance beyond the old ways, the old methods of cremation, where the body was just thrown in and burned and so disrespected. In fact, uh, they even claim, the American Cremation Association, I think it's called, uh, claim that the body does not actually come in contact with the fire. They've hmm. gone out of their way to make that point, but rather the heat itself does the work. And they're saying that as a way to show at least a modicum of respect for the mm. body that undergoes crema- cremation. Now, how much better is a body treated at a funeral home? Mm-hmm. The truth is, I don't know. And if you're not there, really neither do you. I mean, you're trusting people mm-hmm. you know, to do that. There, there was a book written in the early 60s. It was called The American Way of Death. Mm. And it exposed some of the practices of the funeral home industry, and it uh, in exposing that, got the Federal Trade Commission involved to regulate how bodies were, were treated. That book was updated in 78, and at least by that time, things had not improved significantly. Now, they probably have today, but again, unless you're caring for the body personally, and, and this is something to, to think about, other than the last couple hundred years, that was the way it always was in history and still is mm-hmm. in many places in the world. The family took care of the body. Yeah. So I'm thankful for people who, who, who handle that. I'm thankful for you know, some of the services we have available to us. But the truth is, one thing about that is you're not directly personally involved. And so you don't know exactly 
Mm-hmm. But but the goal for all of us, from a Christian perspective, is that a body be treated with respect because the body is important. So I think you can overcome both of those major obstacles to crema- cremation, the negative associations and the treatment of the body. Yeah, so uh, everybody at home is wanting to hear explicitly, (laughs) what is Pastor Ken's conclusion? (laughs) I I know uh, you're more interested in looking to provide a framework so that people can do what we talked about. They can think biblically Mm -hmm. about this, think about the principles involved, and then, you know, make an informed decision based on what they know from the Bible. Uh, But I'm guessing our listeners would be very interested in your personal conclusion. (laughs) Well, like you said, as as most... uh, uh, with most mat- matters to which the Bible does not speak directly like this one. It's a, it's a wisdom matter. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of applying what we know to the, the issue at hand. And with wisdom matters, then, we have to show grace to one another because um, we're not all going to decide the same way. And I've said for years, going back decades to when I was uh, teaching young people and I was a youth leader, uh, I said to those young people, and I've said since, we don't all have to arrive at the same answers but we do need to ask the same questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've tried to set up here. What are the kinds of theological questions then I should be considering? Yeah, so you don't have to agree with me, and I don't condemn those who choose otherwise. My own choice is burial rather than cre- cremation, if possible, depending on the circumstances of my death. You know, that may not, that may not be possible depending on how we die. Mm-hmm. We listed a, mm-hmm. a number of ways. But, and that, that's the case for me primarily to underscore the importance of the body. And our traditional approach does that in, in a couple of ways, presumably in the care and handling of the body. I say presumably because you're not mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, though, even care in the display of the body. I mean, that's part of what's happening then. Uh, the, the body is displayed, and we view mm-hmm. the, the body. And this is the body that's going to be, this body is going to be raised. So there's a reason for all of that. Um, so I don't feel strongly about it, but if you ask my view, that, that's my personal view. All right. There you have it, folks. (laughs) Well, I think that's all we have time for. We said possibly a couple of issues, but uh, we'll we'll have to come back to some viewer-related issues uh, next chance we get. So thank you, everybody, for joining us for this episode, and we'll see you in the next one. If you have a question you'd like us to consider, you can send that in to our email address, info at cbctrenton.com or text it to us at 97000.